Welcome to my Life Beyond Postnatal Depression podcast. I'm your host, Susan Scollin, and each week I interview everyday people and health experts about the decision to become a parent, fertility, pregnancy, birth, post-baby, and everything that comes up along the way. Be inspired. Today I'm chatting with Stephanie Latterwick, but everyone calls her Steph. After her own incredible journey beating food and body obsession, as well as amenorrhea, which is period loss, Steph was able to find complete self-expression, radiant health, and even fall pregnant with her little dude, Jackson. She knew the answers to her own health struggles was more than just counting calories or macronutrients. It was beyond any meal plan, and she was really sick and tired of the gym culture that told her calories in versus calories out was the only way to lose weight. Steph felt trapped in her own body, obsessively tracking foods or feeling anxious and overwhelmed often isolating herself because of these deep-rooted foods and body image issues. Steph began focusing on her gut health and balancing her hormones after competing in her last NPC figure show. She knew something had to change and she wanted to help women who felt trapped in their bodies as well. After graduating from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition as a hormone health coach, Steph began helping women learn how to eat to beat inflammation, balance hormones, and get their metabolism in tip-top shape. She has seen tremendous results working with over 150 women with everything from 10 pound or more weight loss, better periods, clear skin, and improved cognitive function and energy. Eating like this has literally changed her life. This episode is packed full of amazing information about why our period is our report card on our health, why we need to listen to our bodies and especially our periods, why hormone and gut health are key to our bodies functioning at their best, postnatal hypothyroidism, and how after having a baby, it takes two years for our bodies to come back to optimal health. That's a lot, right? And it's so worth diving in. This episode includes some of the science that you can understand and practical tools you can implement into your own life to heal your gut and balance your hormones. Start today. Your health and life is worth it. After you've listened to this episode, Steph and I would love to hear what resonated with you. So head over over to Instagram, Facebook, or my website and share with us. Be inspired. Welcome, Stephanie. It's awesome to have you here and awesome to spend this time with you. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super, super excited to be here with you and um, share a little bit about some hormones and health and all of that good stuff. Yeah, all the good stuff that we have within our bodies and we don't tap into it enough, do we? No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully after this, everybody's going to be tapping into their hormones, being loved up on on themselves and just getting in tune with their bodies, which will be really beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me what's bringing you the most joy at the moment. I think what brings me the most joy every single day is my almost two-year-old son, Jackson, and just all of the little moments that I have with him between going to the playground or watching him discover new things. We just taught him how to swim this last weekend. Just all of the fun little things that you get to observe as a parent watching your kid discover the world. It's just so, so cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And obviously you're in a really good space to be able to do that as well. Like, do you know what I mean? You know, there are some mums out there who are struggling with that sort of stuff because they're struggling with themselves. But 
when you kind of come into this whole, I can just sit and be and I can watch and do and get so much joy out of my children, uh, that just really lights up our souls. Yes, and I try to do that at least a half an hour, hour every day, just just play with him and have fun. And you kind of just get to be a little kid all over again. So it's so cool. So cool. Yeah, I think we need to be more kids, more like kids. (laughs) Yes. My God, no, no more kids for me right now. (laughs) No, 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 but more like kids so that, you know, like my husband who is, you know, in his 60s, he's just turned 60 and he is more like a kid than than me. Like, so I'm like, how can I embrace that more? You don't get to be the kid all the time. (laughs) Yes, just that play, all of that play and fun stuff. Yeah, totally. So take us back on your journey. What was that looking like? Because you were wanting to be, were you wanting to be a mum? Was that like a natural intuitive pull for you or was it kind of like I'm not really sure if this is going to be my journey? Take us back there. So I actually, um, I, so I started out as a personal trainer and I was doing that for about 10 years all throughout my 20s and I'm 35 now. And like I said, I just had my son So I was 34 when I had him, but all throughout my twenties, I would have sworn to anybody who asked me, you know, are you having a child? Like, are you planning on it? I would have been like, no, absolutely. A hundred percent. No, I had no interest. And I think a lot of it was because, um, not only during my childhood was I never around other kids that like I was taking care of or babysitting or anything like that. So all of that was very, very foreign to me, but with the gym and the mentality of so much of my identity was my body, it really, really scared me, to be honest. Looking back on it now, I think a lot of that scared me, like that whole process of becoming a mother and what it did to your body and would you ever look the same? Because when I was in the gym, there was just so much emphasis that health was simply the way you looked. And I was afraid that motherhood would change so much of my appearance and things like that. And in all honesty, I felt I was just very, very selfish with some of my time. Like, would I be able to do all of the things that I wanted to do if I was a mom? And how do I find that balance? So it really was an interesting process that took place in my life and some things that happened to me. I became a caretaker for my grandmother and just watching how my mom took care of her. And I said, you know what? There's nothing like the love between a mother and a child. And I felt after watching that experience through my mom taking care of my grandmother, like what is my life going to be like without a baby? And then my whole perspective changed and my husband and I decided we wanted to try. And then there was a lot of struggle that came with trying to get pregnant and things like that. But I was able to overcome that. And, you know, here Jackson is. So, you know, two years as a mom, and I don't think I would ever have it any other way right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of, you've touched on a point where a lot of people kind of go, I don't know how I could fit a baby into my life. I'm not sure if I want the disruption. I don't know who I will become and what sort of identity that I will have. There are some women out there who naturally just know that they want to have kids, like from the get-go. But there is a lot of equally, on the other side, there is a lot of people that push back because the uncertainty that comes with a child. Was that your experience? 
Absolutely. A hundred percent. And like I said, I, I think a lot of it, yes, it was, you know, what is my identity going to be as a mom? Mm-hmm. And will I be able to incorporate who I was before motherhood into my new life and still do some of the things that I really enjoy doing, or would I completely not have time for any of those things? And again, I think so much of my identity was my body and fitting in fitness and the gym and all of that, that whole realm of things, like I said, really, really scared me between being able to find the time to do those types of things in the gym and also what it would physically do to my body. And again, I didn't even mention it, but I think a lot of women wonder, and I know I did, well, what's it going to be like with my marriage too? Like how are, how is our relationship going to change? So my husband and I, we had to have like those discussions and and talk about a lot before deciding, you know, we're really going to give this a try. So I don't think it's always natural for people. And sometimes there is a little bit of juggling that first happens when you do have that baby, like, Oh my gosh, like, do I feel guilty for doing some of the things that I used to really love doing? Or can I, incorporate those things to become a better mom. Yeah. And what was your answer to that question? Absolutely. But I can incorporate. Yeah. yeah, I can incorporate those things. But again, I think it's just different. There's so many more responsibilities and there's so many extra steps I think that happen. Like you can't just grab your keys and go out the door with yes. the baby. Yes. You know, it's like, let me get the diapers and let me get a change of clothes and a snack. And okay, do I have his drink? Do I have, you know, everything that I need to make sure that he's okay? And then you try and then sometimes everything just seems to crumble anyway. (laughs) And you go, okay, well, I did my best, but it's just not happening. Yeah. But that can, end, that can leave people ending up in a bucket of tears too because, like, yeah. you know, I've tried my best and my best still isn't good enough. So it's those stories that we sort of unpack in, in the process. And I remember with me there was, um, in terms of getting to the gym and getting back into workouts, there was a friend who had a gym and she said to me, come on over, you know, we do this morning mum session, come and join that. And it took me two hours to even get there to the door and I was just like, I, I need to spend this two hours better. Like. And then you've got to work out and then i got to pack up and go home and have some time out with the ladies afterwards and do everything. And I'm like, that's, I, it's just not a good use of my time. But you have to go through the experience and go, well, everything looks a little bit differently now. I can still do similar things. Obviously, I can't do everything at this point, particularly earlier on, but that can build over time. Um, but just being gentle and being calm, kind to yourself in that sort of space and going, okay, that didn't work, but I'm sure I can find something else that does work and just allowing that evolution for the new version that is you. Absolutely. And I don't know if this happened with you, but did you ever feel sometimes when you are with your child, it just makes it feel as though your time is even more valuable when you're surrounded with your kids? Like I think when I'm working or 
um, if I have plans or something like that, it's like, it has to be really, really good to take me away from my son. Mm. Yes. The plans. And it makes me prioritize so many more things Yeah, of what's really important and looking at that. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I started to say no to things. Um, I, yeah, pulled myself off committees that I was involved in. Um, and I definitely, there was a group of friends who would get together and, um, or it didn't matter. Like I would get invited to an, an engagement of some sort of thing. And I went, if it's not good food and good company, I ain't coming. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So it can't be just good food and I'm not going to enjoy the company. It had to be both. Like I had to go, yes, I really want to spend time with these people and I want to, you know, um, I want to eat that food that they're sort of providing or have the experience, whatever. It may not have always been around food, but have that experience that we're in there for. Um, and if it wasn't, I yeah, I was just like, yeah, no, we're not available for that <laughs> because, like you said, my time was way more precious um, and and my mental health was really more precious because I'd go to those events and then go, why did you do that? Why did you bother? And then, yeah, come home and then have to deal with my own own stories after the fact. You are a woman after my own heart. Like bring me <laughs> to the food. Just bring me to the food. It's perfect. Yeah. But it's like I might have to get a babysitter to get the food, but that's okay. Yeah. I'll be there for the food. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if this happened to you too. Like, we had I had the experience with the babysitter where I was paying I was paying good money for babysitters like because I wanted to invest in these women that were coming to support my me and my family and my son and 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 then things weren't being done like so there wasn't and I didn't expect my washing to be done but my son you know if you've fed my son wash the dishes like it's not <laughs> so I started to put all these rules around what they were doing and I was just like Do you know what this isn't this isn't fun for me or if I didn't pay for a babysitter. I'd end up my house would look like a bomb um, that had just exploded and I would spend the next hour cleaning up from them. So I was just like, okay, this is another factor in the whole, you know, I've just gone out for four hours or whatever, had a lovely dinner and had great company, but now I'm having to do more work when I get home. So I was just like, nah, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a no-go for now. <laughs> it's all of those things we have to remember <laughs> as moms. It's yeah. not just one little detail. It's all of the details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So take us on your fertility journey because it wasn't a straightforward journey for you, was it? It wasn't just like, we're going to get pregnant, let's have a baby, move forward. Yeah. So my husband and I, as I said, we talked a lot about, is this something we really want and all of that? And once we decided, yes, we're going to give this a go, I immediately went off birth control. And I had been on the birth control pill for around 11 years. So it was quite a length of time and I wish I would have known what I know now um, at that point because I would have probably detoxed a little bit and give, given my liver some love and it would have been much easier for me. But once I went off the pill, I did not get a cycle back for a year. So it was quite a while. And in that time, I had mentioned to my doctor, you know, we are trying to get pregnant. Can you please explain to me why my cycle is not coming back at all? And they ran blood work and things like that. And everything that they did, all of the tests. Okay, Steph, your hormones are normal. And I said, how are my hormones normal when I literally have no cycle whatsoever? 
Like it just didn't make sense to me. And I was finding myself getting really frustrated and aggravated. And the only thing that my doctor could tell me is if you want to get pregnant, you have to go to a fertility clinic and undergo more testing and medications or whatever and see if any of those things work. So instead of doing that right away, which regardless, I didn't have a choice because the closest fertility clinic to me had a wait list of eight months to even get in for an appointment. So I called and I said, you know what, I will look into this. But in my heart, I really felt that I needed to dive in as a health coach and see, well, what can I do in the meantime, at least to try to get things back on track. And that's when I started investigating a lot more of the hormones and again, liver detoxification, things like that. And I started doing acupuncture treatments, which were fantastic. I did two fertility treatments for acupuncture, started changing up my diets in terms of focusing on gut health and the detoxification of the excess hormones that I had from the birth control. I had one cycle. And I said, okay, like, I'm so excited. Like things are finally moving along. And then the next time I, like the next month came, I said, okay, well, there's no cycle again. Where did it go? And I didn't really think anything of it. And a couple of weeks went by and I was working out with one of my girlfriends at the gym. And I said, I really don't feel good. She goes, well, you're either sick or you're pregnant. I go, no, 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 there's no way. There is no way I've had one cycle. But lo and behold, I took a test that day and was pregnant. So that was in December of 2018. It's been a little bit, but after that, had like a really healthy pregnancy, all of that good stuff. And then I had a bunch of other things hormonally happen to me after the birth. So before we dive into post-birth, can you come back to why, um, and congratulations, because you know that's a, a huge achievement to be able to do what you did and to really look after your body and get pregnant. But can you come back to why it's so important to detox our livers? So in terms of the birth control pill, a lot of the birth control that's on the market right now contains synthetic estrogen. And many women that I talk to in my health coaching practice, they're talking about having very systematic or symptomatic periods where their periods are either really heavy, there's a lot of clotting, lots of cramps, bloating, all of that. And that is really why many doctors are choosing to put them on the pill. Another one is acne, like hormonal related acne, like doctors are automatically putting these girls on the pill. So for years and years and years, like I did, I was receiving this synthetic estrogen from the birth control pill. In addition to the estrogen that my body is already producing naturally. So when you have all of this estrogen dominance, as we call it, that can lead to a host of hormonal issues. But with estrogen being that high, it's really difficult for the progesterone levels, which progesterone rises during the second half of your menstrual cycle, where estrogen rises during the first half. But progesterone is the hormone that we need 
an adequate amount of for that baby to actually implant into the uterus. So when you have all of this extra estrogen, it makes it very difficult for those progesterone levels to reach a high enough point to balance out with that estrogen. So the liver is ultimately where all of that extra estrogen needs to be detoxified from. And when I talk about gut health, a lot of women I'm talking to, again, have a lot of gut issues, not just period issues or issues with their sex hormones. Because when the gut is damaged or you have something called leaky gut, as we call it in functional medicine, your liver can be trying to detoxify all of that extra estrogen, but it needs to be removed through your stool. So if it's going into your small and large intestine after it's been processed by the liver, but your gut is not healthy, then it's usually the case is that that estrogen is being reabsorbed by the body rather than excreted. It's a long, long way around, but it is that's exactly what happens and a beautiful way. Thank you for sharing that because the, the other part is that the, the liver will process <clears throat> foreign chemicals to it. So the synthetic estrogen, it will process that first and it will dump the estrogen that we naturally create in our body. So we've actually got that cycle sort of happening as well where we're getting est- we're creating estrogen in the body and then we're getting this dump of estrogen at the same time that's creating this cycle through the liver and we may that's where the estrogen dominance starts to stack up and then as you've talked about <clears throat> coming into the gut if the gut isn't healthy it can't clear that estrogen the synthetic estrogen or the you know natural estrogen even if you've got to that point to be able to get that out into your stool and therefore you're constantly in this overload phase of estrogen leading to no yeah and you talked about it before like the progesterone we need the progesterone for the baby to seed into our uterus and therefore to grow and if we've got too much estrogen we don't have enough progesterone that's going to create. Absolutely. And and a lot of times I'll talk to women after birth, and this is almost something that happened to me as well, is that you are in this state of estrogen dominance during pregnancy because after you ovulate, that egg sac that's left over is called your corpus luteum. And the second half of your cycle is the luteal phase. So that egg sac is what actually produces the progesterone. And that sac becomes the placenta during pregnancy, which is super, super cool. But it's able to produce some progesterone. But for the most part, every time we ovulate, that sac from that egg follicle is used to create the progesterone. So for nine months, you're not ovulating during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that progesterone, yes, your placenta can make some, but if you're still in this estrogen dominant state, either from the birth control you were on before pregnancy or just in general, so many women have, you know, fibroids, endometriosis, again, those really heavy periods, that's all signs of estrogen dominance. So if you have that going into your pregnancy, then during the pregnancy itself, there's not a ton of progesterone being produced by that egg sac that's now the placenta. So after birth, you're in this estrogen dominant state, 
but progesterone, I call it the queen of chill hormone. It's very anti-anxiety. It calms you down. So women are like, why am I moody or why am I anxious? Why am I snapping at my husband? Yes, you have a new baby and you're tired or you're stressed, but at the same time, you, your body could be lacking some of that progesterone too. And that's one of the main signs that I see when progesterone levels are low. Yeah. And so you mentioned before that there were some hormone issues for you post having a baby. Is that because of high estrogen dominance? Was that your experience or? So that estrogen dominant state that I was talking about with from the birth control, Mm. like I was on that pill for 11 years, literally had one cycle and never was able to really detoxify all of that extra estrogen. Had my son three to four months later, I had my cycle return and it was absolutely atrocious. Like it was the worst cycle of my life. Like it would put me out for the count for two or three days between the cramping, the heavy bleeding. I was constantly having to change like my pad or tampon. And I said, I, don't, I can't live like this. And the only thing that my doctor suggested was go back on the birth control pill. And I said, no, I can't do that after all of these things that I did to reverse the effects of the pill before my pregnancy. So not only did I have estrogen dominance, but I also had postpartum hypothyroidism. So that started to come into effect as well. So between the thyroid issues, the estrogen dominance and like my horrible periods, I had a lot of different things going on. And so, and then you've, you've got a baby as well. You're sleep deprived. <laughs> you've got all the, all the buckets. And adrenal fatigue, you know, all of the, the crazy stress hormones, cortisol, all of that is just through the roof. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's really important to say that birth control has a purpose. And I think we need to, we have an opportunity to get, um, in, be informed and to inform ourselves about what's happening to our body when we go on um, a birth control, um, what some of the side effects will be, how we can manage those side effects as well. And so doing that actively before even going on birth control is a good thing, and especially for mums now who potentially were on birth control and have daughters who are coming through to be on birth control, like actually actively managing that differently to how it was done in the past is a really good opportunity for them. Um, But then being aware that this estrogen dominance can be a massive problem, especially around um, having a baby and some, like you talked about, some of the potential side effects and the challenges that people will face Um, coming into or being a woman some people are you know diagnosed with endometriitis in their early 20s and are told that they will never have a baby like potentially could never have a baby and so then they go can go through a healing process um, with their own body to then you know hopefully get pregnant or find their own pregnancy journey so can you take us through some of the things that women can do or some of the things that you did to manage that estrogen dominance and to just tidy up um, your life so that you did get full pregnant? Yeah. So with the guts, 
estrogen dominance, the first thing that I focus on is healing the gut lining. So with the gut, it's typically one cell layer thick, like our small intestine. So that is a very, very small barrier between anything in our small intestine and the rest of our body. So when we are constantly eating processed foods, foods that we have a potential sensitivity to or allergy, I see a lot of people have issues with gluten or dairy, things like that. When we are constantly eating those foods, when we might have this sensitivity, that's going to actually disrupt the gut and that cell wall between of the small intestine that's really separating that from the rest of your body. So for me, I know that every time that I had something with dairy in it, whether it was whey protein, Greek yogurt, cheeses, I always felt a little bit gassy or bloated. And rather than just kind of brush it off, I decided to eliminate dairy because that was one of the main stressors on that cell wall. And I started eliminating some of those common irritants like gluten, dairy, a lot of artificial sweeteners. Those are not easily digested in the body. Um, Regular sugars, I started watching those as well because those feed the bad bacteria that are in our small intestine. And if you have an overgrowth of that bacteria, that bacteria can actually damage the cell wall as well. So sort of tuning in to those foods that might be disrupting gut health. And there's a lot of like different elimination diets. Whole 30 is one of them, paleo, that type of thing. But what I feel a lot of these diets are missing is not only eliminating eliminating those foods that disrupt gut health, but also adding in the foods that reseal your gut. So I was adding in things like collagen, bone broth, gelatin, any of those foods that are containing amino acids and the amount of nutrients that I needed to really repair that cell wall, like rebuild the actual cell wall. And just a note on bone broth, that when you're in your menstrual bleed, that is one of the most nutrient-dense foods to eat that replenishes all of the minerals and vitamins that you're depleting during that time. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't have it any other time, that is like one of the best times to have bone broth is during your actual cycle. So I was adding in those foods. I was also focusing in on a lot of probiotic-rich foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha in moderation because it is a little bit higher in sugar, miso, any of those fermented foods. And then if I couldn't get those in or I wasn't in the mood for any of those, I would add in a probiotic supplement with at least 10 billion CFUs, which are colony forming units. So you want a pretty potent probiotic to be able to actually replenish the good bacteria in your small intestine as well. And then for the liver, I started doing what's called a castor oil pack, which I really, really loved doing those every night. Um, And what it essentially is, is I would put castor oil on a piece of fleece or wool cloth, and I would put it right over my liver, like under my right ribs. 
And I would just put a warm heating pad on that. And I would just hang out for 15, 20 minutes and relax. And that opens up all of the bile ducts in your liver and promote some blood flow to that area to help get those excess hormones that your liver is trying to detoxify out of the liver and into your small intestine a little bit easier. That's a super cool thing that we could do. I think a lot of people could do that. It's so, it's so, so simple. Just grab your castor oil on Amazon. I would like get a book out, watch a show. My husband's like, oh, there's your oil again. Okay. But I just loved how warming it was and just like cozy and just relaxing every night. Yeah. So a little bit of like a meditation time, effectively, a little bit of self-love time where you just kind of go, it's just me me and the book and me and my castor oil and we're just going to hang out. And hang out with like a warm this warm like like your belly is just all warm and cozy it's it's the best yeah and so before you started all of this was your body like feeling good were you just you know just wanting to have a baby was that just well were there some symptoms that were lying around as well so in all honesty I feel like anybody who looked at me during my 20s when I was training and, and everything like that being a personal trainer and like a figure competitor, everyone would look at me and say like, oh my God, like she looks so great. She must be so healthy. And under the surface, I felt like there was a lot of things just going on that were not really healthy, hormonally, you know, digestive wise, all of that. But back then, Every single thing that I would eat was focused on calories and how much fat was in it and and how much protein and all of that. And so hyper-focused on being low-carb or low-calorie that I felt like I was pretty much living off of all diet food, Mm. you know, just junky protein bars and and protein shakes that didn't have great ingredients, you know, all of the diet pop. I remember I would drink two liters of diet pop because I was so hungry because I wasn't eating enough. And that would like give me this feeling of fullness and things like that. But I think looking back, that was probably the worst digestively that I've ever been in my entire life. And I remember a time in that phase of my life that I did not go to the bathroom literally for 10 days. Wow. So you want to talk about not getting estrogen out of your body. <laughs> you need to go to the bathroom at least once, if not twice a day to get that extra estrogen out. And if it's just, if your stool is just sitting in your small intestine, that gives all of that estrogen, the opportunity to be reabsorbed Mm. and you're never getting it out. Mm. And so many women that I talked to, I said, okay, tell me all about your period. And they list all of these bad things that they're experiencing. And then I go, well, how often do you go to the bathroom? Every two or three days? Yep. That's right. Is that not normal? No, it's not normal. Like you've got to get everything out of your body, toxin-wise, excess hormone-wise, all of that. And I certainly wasn't doing any of those things. So, so definitely. Fast, 
Yeah, fast forward, you know, eight months later after you've done all the protocol and, you know, then you've fallen pregnant. But just even before that, how were you then feeling? Like can you could you see the difference in everything that you'd done through that period to then go, do you know what, I was bad, you know, felt like I had bad um, a digestive system back here, but now did you did you see any difference? I felt that... After eliminating some of those foods, I definitely noticed my digestion was a lot bit better Mm -hmm. and I wasn't getting bloated all the time or like the gas pains or constipation, any of that. But I don't think I really realized how much gut health impacts hormones and digestion and all of that until really after having to physically reverse that estrogen dominance, like after the pregnancy, because I only had that one cycle to really see what was going on. Like I didn't really care at that point, if it was a good cycle, if it was bad, if I had cramps, I was just happy to even have one. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really care about that too, too much. But once it started to come back after the baby, I was like, I just can't do this. Like it was like three or four months in a row that it was just Mm. atrocious. Like it was just so painful. So that was like, okay, I really have to make sure again, I'm sticking to this protocol and like be even more diligent with it to get everything back in sync. So can you tell us about that time then? What were the things that you were doing then? What were some of the challenges that you were facing? And thinking about the people that you support now, what are some of the challenges that they face as well? So I think in general, a lot of it had to do with what I had mentioned earlier in terms of targeting that gut health, eliminating those foods that were disruptive to gut health, adding in all of the beneficial bacterias via probiotics and foods. But I think the biggest challenge during that time is what do you do when you have a baby and you're trying to take care of this baby who's feeding every couple hours and you're not sleeping through the night and everything else to not fall back into well, I'm really, really tired. Um, I'm just, I'm going to order a pizza tonight or I'm just going to get like some quick fast food or, or something like that. Like I had to always, always remind myself to eat well, to nourish my body, even if it was just something as simple as like a protein shake and adding in, you know, fiber and greens and healthy fats and all sorts of beneficial nutrients, not only for me, but for my baby as well. And like asking people, I don't need you to come and watch me and my baby. I need you to come to my house and cook for me. And I would literally ask my parents, like, please just make me a healthy meal. Like, please come over and like, just cook if you want to help me with this baby. And I did that for quite a few months until Jackson was in a little bit more of a routine and things like that. But one other thing that I started adding in was some nutrients that actually benefited my thyroid and the conversion of T4 to T3. Because at that point, I had 
like that postpartum hypothyroidism. So I had to then shift my focus a little bit more to the thyroid rather than just like these sex hormones, like estrogen and progesterone and getting them balanced with the gut. Mm. So can you talk to us about the hypothyroidism that you had and postpartum? Because this is actually quite common and I'm going to get on a specialist to talk about this, but you can be the first to give us your story about it. Yeah. So in terms of being common, really about one in 12 women from what I've read experience some sort of hypothyroidism after a baby. And I read something else that says after having a child, it usually will take around two years for your body to fully heal hormones, thyroid, adrenals. And we are in such a culture right now that says, okay, something's wrong. Let me take a pill to fix it. Like we don't stop and think you know, this might take a little bit. So if this is you and you're in that place, just give it time. And my son is around two. He's just about to turn two in a couple months. But I literally just had my blood work two weeks ago and my hypothyroidism was gone. So no meds, nothing. But it took that long after the birth of my son to fully get everything functioning again. But with the thyroid, a lot of people don't realize that what the thyroid puts out, 95% of it is T4. So T4 is an inactive thyroid hormone, meaning it's not going to affect your metabolism or the amount of energy you have. So 95% is T4, leaving 5% as T3. And T3 is that active energy metabolism hormone. So with the high amount of T4 that's released by the thyroid gland itself, that T4 has to be converted to T3 for our metabolism to function, for us to have energy, for us to be able to lose weight, any of those things. And that conversion happens in the liver and it also happens in the gut. So again, going back to everything we've talked about already, if your liver is busy focusing on detoxing hormones, detoxing all of these toxins that are leaking out of your gut, then it's not going to convert T4 to T3 effectively because it, ha- it doesn't want you to have this estrogen dominant state. It doesn't want you to have all these toxins floating around. So it's not going to worry as much about thyroid hormone conversion as it is about making sure that you are not in this toxic living space. So again, clearing out the liver is amazing for improving thyroid function, but that other portion of the conversion is happening in your gut, which again, ties into everything we talked about already with, you know, balancing your gut microbiome and repairing the cell wall. So you have to have a nice, safe place in both the gut and the liver for that thyroid hormone to be converted. And then the other thing we need is minerals and vitamins like iodine, selenium, magnesium, zinc. We need adequate amounts of those minerals and vitamins to be able to convert that T4 to T3. 
And I'll give everyone who's listening a little bit of a tip because the two that I see that a lot of people don't add into their diet is the iodine and the selenium. And iodine, a lot of people right now are having sea salt, Himalayan salt, Celtic salt. That is not iodized. So if you want to add a little iodine to your diet, just add in some regular table salt. If you're cooking or you've prepared a meal, just to get a little bit of iodine. And if you're leery of actual salt, you can add in sea vegetables like kelp, nori, seaweed chips. I've had kelp noodles. Like you can have fun on Amazon and order some of those things and try those and incorporate those into your diet. And I find that they're quite good. But um, the other one is selenium. And selenium, that nutrient is amazing, if especially if you have Hashimoto's thyroid, which is an inflammation of the thyroid gland from antibodies that are present in our bloodstream. So it's more of an autoimmune condition. But selenium will actually attack some of those antibodies so that they're not actually attacking your thyroid instead. But selenium is found in Brazil nuts. That's the highest source of selenium on the planet in a food. And selenium, I find it's it's so easy to just get it by having three Brazil nuts a day. So I started adding in the Brazil nuts. I started adding in salts or those um, seaweed chips and, and that type of stuff. And making sure my body had the actual raw materials to do that conversion. Yeah. Yeah. And our bodies were so smart, so they can do all of that for us. We just start with, you know, one thing, add that in, and then, up, you know, start with that table salt because that's easy or go to the seaweed chips or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then add in the Brazil nuts and just make that. You could put it into your smoothie. Like yeah. you can make it so simple. It doesn't have to be, an, an, you know, a big task. Do you not have seaweed in Brazil in uh, Australia? <laughs> Well, we too. I'm just, I'm actually not a seafood eater in any shape or form. So I will go to the table salt. I won't go to the seaweed because um, I just don't, I love swimming in the ocean, but I just don't love the taste of it. Um, and I never have. <laughs> so funnily enough. But can we just touch back on, you know, why our periods are so important? We've been so out of touch with our, getting our period and having our period. Why is it important that we actually get back in touch with it, see it as a superpower that we as women actually have. And I love that you say your your period is your report card. Like it's telling you, it's sending you a message for how you've been functioning over the over the, the month that's led up to that. So why is this so important for us to get back in touch? Yeah. So I love, yeah, periods are report cards. I just love that. But I think that we have really lost touch on an emotional level with our cycle, um, first and foremost, because there is a delicate dance of hormones that really happens throughout the course of the month. And when we are in this state thinking all periods are bad or they're an inconvenience or anything like that, we sort of lose touch with this beautiful cycle of energy that sort of shifts throughout the month. And I've gone so far as thinking about the first 
phase of my cycle, which is very estrogen. And I don't want to say estrogen dominant because that that, now that sounds really bad, but very focused on estrogen levels rising and testosterone levels rising. And because those two hormones come into play during that phase, that just fills us with so much energy. We're very extroverted. We feel like we want to be around people and potentially get a mate before ovulation. Like that's why we feel confident and just full of charisma, energy, and things like that during that phase. But then as the luteal phase takes over, again, progesterone is that queen of chill hormone. And with progesterone, it sort of just brings us inward into more organizing ideas, planning, just sort of like settling into ourselves a little bit more. And that cycle, instead of it just being something that we really don't want to look forward to or whatever, I just think of it as those are going to be my three, four days to just relax and have grace with myself, slow down, chill, read a book, take a bath, just be alone, take some time for myself and sort of get rid of that notion that I have to be in this energy of the follicular phase all the time of just go, 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 go and keep doing and keep being. There's never a chance to reset with that type of mentality. Mm. So I think it's just so important, especially as a new mom, again, to take that time for yourself. And that's what that cycle is sort of reminding us to do. Yeah, just to come back into ourselves, isn't it? To slow down. And we can do that in the midst of all the things that we've got going on. Like some people are working, you know, and they just cannot just, you know, stop and just not do you know, they actually have to go to a job and that sort of thing, but they can still have that slower pace on those particular days. Like we can still plan for those. And it's not about blocking out all our time and saying, I'm completely unavailable. I will be at my desk, but you cannot talk to me. Um, it's it's being in meetings and actually just spending more time listening than we're actually talking. Or if we have to present, then how can we build in some time on the back end or at the beginning to say, I need some downtime now um, and, and create that space and actively create that space for ourselves. And when we start to give ourselves permission to do that, we give permission to other women to do the same thing. Um, and then we also teach men not to expect us to be on the go the whole time as men do. So we start to create this beautiful balance. And, and the other thing too, from a hormonal perspective, if we don't stop and notice that some of these symptoms of estrogen dominance are appearing every single month during our cycle and we're having, you know, fibroids or endometriosis, estrogen is a growth hormone. It's growing that uterine lining during that first phase of your cycle. So if that's kept unchecked for an extended period of time, that doesn't only grow the uterine lining. It grows into, you know, our fat cells are getting bigger. Our tumors can grow, things like that. So you'll see 
women who are in their early 30s or early 40s and they're getting breast cancer, they're getting uterine cancers, ovarian cancer. And then I'm checking in with them and they're saying, well, yeah, like I do have really, really bad periods, but that estrogen is not only specific to our reproductive system that goes everywhere in our body. So just being aware of, you know, is that estrogen trying to tell me something every single month, like that report card that I'm having these bad periods, that's a sign my body's trying to tell me something is wrong. So rather than just take like a birth control pill to get rid of that, you know, let's get to the root of why our bodies can't get rid of that extra estrogen. And I remember a few months ago, I I know I mentioned that I was very sensitive to dairy and adding that into my diet. And it was around two or three years that I really hadn't had much dairy. And I purposely added it into my diet every single day. Good, high quality dairy, organic, grass fed, you know, but I would add a little bit in every single day. I immediately got constipated. And that cycle, which was like two or three weeks later, again, was it was like I went right back to the beginning. Like my period again was horrible, just like it was after I had my son. And I said, okay, well, I know my body is not getting rid of this extra estrogen. So that's that report card putting me in check saying, no, 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 Steph, you can't have the dairy. Like your body just doesn't like it and neither do your hormones. But when we're able to tune into that and say, well, what did I change this month? Was I stressed? Was my diet off? You know, all of that stuff. Then we can really understand what that period is trying to tell us every month. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that tuning into our bodies, but um, being aware of what we're putting into our bodies during the month and then going, and like you said, you've experimented. I'm going to experiment with dairy and see what happens and see if my body's ready to take it or it can take it. And then you're noticing the symptoms and you notice, but you're being consistent. You're not like adding in 50 things. You're just adding in one thing and being consistent over that period. And then you've got your actual cycle comes and it's challenging and you go, okay, so let's strip that back out again and then notice what happens the following month. And I'm assuming the following month was fairly straightforward for you. Oh, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. A plus, A plus report card for me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you've shared heaps of information with us today and I will dive into sort of the wrap-up questions, but I just want to check if there's anything else that you'd like to add before we move on. I don't know. I don't think so. I think we're pretty good. Like we touched a little bit on everything, about thyroid, about estrogen, about progesterone, fertility. We did a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But I love how, you know, like I love coming back to keeping it simple. So what are, you know, and we talked about what are some of the simple things that you can do to to support your body and just tuning in and going, well, if I'm getting a bad period this month, let's start tracking what I'm eating. Like you don't have to, it's really hard to look back if you haven't already started. But if I'm getting, I'm having these problems or I'm having these sorts of symptoms, even bloating and farting and all the things that come there, like let's just have a look at what's going on there. And one of the measures that you talked about was, am I pooing at least once or twice a day? Like, 
am I having that bowel movement? And if I'm not, what? why can I have a look at the food that I'm eating? Because it's effectively and what I'm putting into my body because that's a reflection of what I'm putting in my body. And I don't need a doctor or I don't need somebody to tell me what that is. I can start to track it and I can get that support that sits around it. But tracking it's going to be the first key to stepping into that space. And and one thing that I really found helpful, there is an app, it's called My Flow. It's F-L-O. And that app was created by Alyssa Vitti. And she created that app all around tracking your cycle. So if you are not tracking, that is one of the first things that I suggest to women who are interested in balancing their hormones. And what I love about tracking my cycle with this app is that she has an amazing place every single day to actually track your symptoms. And it can be things like a migraine or some cramping, you know, bloating, moodiness, tired, fatigue, anything like that. And it's not just related to your actual cycle. Like we might say like, well, my bleed is actually fine. Like I don't have symptoms associated with those few days, but maybe the days leading up to it are the ones that are really off for you. So that kind of gives you a chance to put everything in perspective and actually look back every single month. Is my cycle getting better? Is it getting worse? What can I discover about what my cycle is telling me? And, and tuning in that way. Yeah. And she has a couple of really good books as well. And I think people can jump onto her website. I'm sure there's lots of other resources out there as well because I've got the books over there on my on my bookshelf. <laughs> but they're incredible. And it just allows you to just tap back into that feminine energy and who we're meant to be and using our womb chakra effectively as the storyboard like what are you telling me what do I need to know how can I change and how can I evolve because we're not meant to have painful periods we're not meant to have these challenging times before and after even and she blows all of that out of the water and and particularly this conversation today has really helped us amp up who we can become as a as a female absolutely cool Well, I'm a massive believer in self-love. So can you tell me what's one thing that you do for self-love? My favorite thing lately is my husband just started a new job. So he is getting up very, very early, which I am not used to doing. But I decided if you're going to get up early, then I'm going to get up early too. And I started going to what we call power yoga. And power yoga is this heated vinyasa yoga, but I start at six in the morning and that is like my time all to myself before anything even starts like the rest of the day. And I come home, I get to take my shower and then I get to wake up my son. And I have like 45 minutes after I get home from this class before he's even awake. So it's like, oh my gosh, I never knew I got so much morning me time, but it's amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I love morning me time too. And it's such a quiet part of the day and you get to see the sunrise. You, your son might be up at, you know, where you are, but you get to see that sunrise happen and you're like, oh my gosh, such a beautiful part of, part of the day that we t- can tend to miss out on. So it's great that you And I get, to, I get to sweat out 
all of my toxins and excess hormones. So my liver is happy. (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. So what's one thing then that you do for fun? Should I say the gym? (laughs) (laughs) That's your fun thing. I I love, no, my husband um, and I, we are quite the adventurers. So like this weekend we are going zip lining. So that'll be super fun. So see, you have to prioritize your time well and get the babysitter for the good, good things. But we love, you know, doing zip lining, hiking. We are always wanting to try like these outdoor adventure things. So anything outside camping, hiking. We just came home from Yosemite, like all the good stuff. So we just want to see all of like the natural wonders that are there for us. And being out in nature is so grounding and is good for our hormones too. So which is awesome. Amazing. (laughs) So out of all the information that you shared with us today, which you have shared a plethora of information, if my myself and the listeners were to take one thing away and implement it into our own lives in service of you, what would that be? I think that the biggest thing to start remembering is to focus on that period as not just this annoying visitor every month, but to really focus on it as an indicator of health and what your body is trying to tell you about your hormones, about your digestion, about your thyroid, adrenals. All of your hormones are like little dominoes. When one is a little angry, they all sort of get ticked off at the same time. So that cycle, just being able to tune into it is so beneficial to not just that reproductive system, but for you to tune into everything else hormonally too. And sorry, I'm going to ask a question. Does that then, do you find, have a flow and effect to every other area of your life when you tune into that that area, tune into your hormones, sort that kind of stuff out for you, does that then flow on effect into, you know, your relationships and your career and everything else that's going on in your life? I think the biggest thing that hormones have taught me is to slow down and give myself grace. Mm. That it all takes time. But when everything is imbalanced, I know that I can show up as an amazing mom for my son. I can show up as an amazing coach for my clients, as a partner for my husband, because I have the energy to do that because my thyroid is functioning well again. I am not some moody, snappy person before her period that's going to get into a rage. And I'm able to show up because I'm not, you know, crying in a hole because I have cramps and bloated from either what I ate or because of my cycle. So yes, I feel that your hormones just play a part in every single aspect of your life and the energy of how you show up. Mm -hmm. And it's given me that opportunity again to tune into my feminine and say like, no, I can't do everything. I need to slow down just a little bit, but I'm going to do that with grace and with an opportunity to just tune in to myself and really discover what it is I need to be happy and to keep my body and my hormones happy. 
Thank you, Steph. This has been amazing. Where can people find you on social media and can you tell us sort of a little bit about the work that you do in the world as well? Yeah, so I have an Instagram. It's called Mrs. Mama Be Well and it's M-O-M-M-A and be like a bumblebee, B-E-E. So Mrs. Mama Be Well is my Instagram and I also have a website. It's mamabewell.net and I provide all hormone health coaching. So I focus on all of the gut health that it takes to balance your hormones. I talk a lot about thyroid function and making sure your adrenals are not fatigued as well. So it's not just only work with your cycle, but really the entire realm of hormones. And my latest launch was an entire workout portal that is surrounding your cycle phases, which is a lot of fun. So I've kind of used my background as a personal trainer to create a way where women can tune into that cycle to be able to lose weight, to be able to manage their thyroid function better and their hormones, that estrogen and that progesterone. So I have all of that stuff listed on my website. Check it out on my Instagram. You can see me in the gym, you know, doing bicep curls on my Instagram, telling you what phase of my cycle I'm in. But um, I feel like it's such a unique approach to balancing hormones and not a lot of things or not a lot of people talk about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I've been having a lot of fun with that for my clients. That's awesome. I love that you've done that and created that space because it is minefield is sort of the word that comes to mind, but it's a bit of a minefield of like, what should I be doing now? Where do I need to be? What do I need to be eating, you know, at this point in my cycle? So the fact that you've got a resource that we can all tap into, that's phenomenal. So thank you for creating that. And it's so fun. (sighs) And like, I have a personal trainer right now. I'm like, listen, we are not working out heavy today. I am in my luteal phase. Don't talk to me about it. (laughs) Okay, Steph, whatever. (laughs) And they get it? I think he thinks I'm crazy, but he's like a 25-year-old man. So I don't think he's there yet. But when he has a wife someday, he will understand. And he will go, Steph, you came into my life at the right time. This is amazing. Yeah. 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 What would I do without you? Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Steph. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for everything that you've shared. It's been phenomenal. And just keep doing the work that you're doing in the world. You're amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so much fun. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also, to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.